Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at the Score. Thanks for hanging out with me today here. Got a busy week ahead. Probably won't be doing a Tuesday show this week, and I know I've said that before and then I still end up recording, but I'll say right now there's like a 99% chance that I'm not going to be able to record on Tuesday. Maybe like 99.9, but don't worry. I will have all my usual content out otherwise, and then I'll be back Wednesday with a guest to preview week nine. Before we get to that, though, we got to talk about everything today. So let's get right into the injuries, and then we'll go over all the top waiver pickups in the second half of the show. Injury roundup has to come first, and that's because we had a ton of starting quarterbacks go down this week. That's where most of the action was. So Kirk Cousins suffered a torn Achilles. That's going to bring his season to an end, unfortunately, and let's hope he can recover well. Let's hope he comes back strong in 2024. It does leave the Vikings in a weird place, though, because Minnesota's 4-4. Four and four. They could stay in the playoff hunt if they can find a quarterback replacement, I'm not sure that that person's on the roster right now because they have the rookie, Jared Hall. Doesn't seem like he's the guy. Nick Mullins is on IR at the moment. Sean Mannion, he's on the practice squad, but not really somebody that you got a ton of faith in as the starter. Maybe Colt McCoy could sign there. He apparently has close ties to head coach Kevin O'Connell, and that's according to Josh Norris of Underdog. McCoy does a weekly show on Underdog, so they got a little bit of an inside scoop there, but maybe Carson Wentz, maybe he finally joins a team. Maybe the Vikings trade for somebody. You have the, the Tuesday trade deadline. Maybe they go out and get someone. You'd think that Ryan Tannehill and the Titans would be a top name that could be available. I'll explain more of that later when we get to the Titans and what happened at quarterback for them this week. But it's also possible that the Vikings just use this as an opportunity to blow it up and they don't bring Justin Jefferson back from IR, which fantasy managers would be very upset about that. But they could try to tank the rest of the way. So really everything is on the table But without Cousins, guys like Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson and to a lesser extent, KJ Osborne, all their values are just coming down for fantasy. And the running backs, they might get leaned on more, but the overall offense is just not going to be as successful, not going to provide as many scoring opportunities. So just a crushing development for the Vikings and for the fantasy managers who were heavily invested in Minnesota players. Uh, Matthew Stafford, he's not lost for the year, but he injured his thumb this week. Smashed it off a helmet. He stayed in the game initially, then he left. The game was also out of reach at that point. The Cowboys were just killing the Rams. But when Stafford did hit it off the helmet, he went down, he grabbed his thumb, he was staring at it. It looked like he was checking whether it was broken or not on the field. Now, he did have x-rays. Those were negative. Still, it's possible he could miss time here. Jordan Rodriguez of The Athletic, she said that he's going to undergo further tests and that they're going to try to assess how well he can grip the ball this week. She also pointed out that the colder conditions for their game in Green Bay could be a factor and that could impact their decision. Plus, the Rams have a bye in Week 10, so I would expect that they might let Stafford rest up and then bring him back after that bye in Week 11, which means that we're going to get to see Brett Rippon start. And he's a capable backup. I don't want to put him down by any means. I think he could help the team get a win and a spot start, but he's nowhere near Stafford. And that means that we're going to have to downgrade all the pass catchers in that Rams offense. And you just have to hope that Stafford can come back healthy in what I assume is going to be Week 11 when he returns. You know, apparently there is a chance he could be placed on IR, but right now I'm going to project it'll be a week 11 return for him. 
more starting quarterbacks that got hurt this week. Kenny Pickett, he injured his ribs. And because the Steelers are playing on a short week, they get the Titans on Thursday. I think it's unlikely that Pickett's going to start in that one. So Mitch Trubisky will be under center for at least one game. And the drop-off there, it's not as dramatic as some of these other quarterbacks we're talking about who got hurt, but there is a drop-off. So let's hope that George Pickens and Deontay Johnson, that they can still get there against what's a pretty depleted Titans secondary. Tennessee, a team that you certainly want to attack through the air. Uh, Tyrod Taylor on the Giants, he got banged up. He had to leave that game with a rib injury. They also brought him to the hospital, likely to check for, you know, internal issues, anything else that was going on inside of him. If you break some ribs, there could be other complications there. And we got word this morning that not only did Tyrod get cleared and leave the hospital, so that's great news, but Daniel Jones has been cleared for contact. So it seems like Jones is just going to step right back in and take over. And that's great news for the Giants, even though, I mean, Tyrod was doing a pretty decent job in his absence, at least up until this week. That Jets defense, they're no joke against quarterbacks. They cause problems for everybody. But Daniel Jones coming back this week, likely decent matchup with the Raiders. We'll see if he can get his season back on track. Desmond Ritter, he left the Falcons game on Sunday, was checked for a concussion. Apparently he was cleared to return, but they did not bring him back in. The team went with Taylor Heineke, and I think for good reason. You know, they're saying that they were playing it safe with Ritter, but his turnovers, it's a real, real problem for Atlanta. And Heineke is probably the better option for the Falcons at this point. I've discussed that on the show. He doesn't have a massive ceiling, but he can steer that offense where it needs to go. He can keep things steady and on track. So Arthur Smith, Made it seem initially after the game yesterday like Ritter was going to be the starter for week nine. Today said that he's going to have to see where Ritter's at and kind of declined to make a definitive statement when he got asked about it. So we're going to have to monitor this one. For now, Heineke is a stash in two quarterback or super flex formats. I've been saying that for a while, though. And Ritter is almost impossible to play for fantasy because the leash is going to be so short moving forward if he does get back out there as the starter. Uh, Brock Purdy. Now, he's going on by, so this probably isn't going to get discussed that much, but he got cleared from concussion protocol in six days last week, ended up starting in this game, and there was a play in this one. People were sharing it on Twitter where Purdy got taken down and his helmet just bounced off the turf and he immediately grabbed both sides of the helmet. It gives you flashbacks to what happened with Tua last year and, you know, Tua coming back too soon and then his head kind of bouncing off the turf again and all those issues that he had. But like I said, the Niners are on by. Purdy's going to have two weeks to get ready for his next game. I'm not anticipating that this is going to be an issue, but I wanted to mention it, especially since Purdy has kind of struggled over the last six quarters or so, and head injuries might be factoring into that, in addition to the fact that, you know, he's missing Debo Samuel, but I think more importantly, he's missing Trent Williams on that offensive line, and I've heard some people discuss the 49ers offensive woes recently and not even mention Williams' name. I think that's silly. I mean, Williams not being out there, that's far more of an issue for this offense than not having Debo, regardless Let's hope all those guys are back after the bye and they can come back strong for the stretch run in that 49ers offense and on our fantasy rosters. Uh, not as much to talk about in terms of injuries at the other positions this week, which is certainly a good thing. At running back, Jonathan Taylor, he's one that I think we should be watching because they acted like they limited his workload in the second half 
just because they chose to, not because of injury, but he had 11 touches in the first half of that game, was very productive with them, and then he had just two touches in the second half, and Jeff Mueller, a four for four, he identified a play late in the second quarter where Taylor was kind of hobbling a bit after that one, so seems like there might have been a tweak of the ankle there, and we'll see if the coaching staff talks more about it today. They claim that there was an injury after the game, though, so I doubt that they will bring it up again, but I'm sure someone will ask them about it. Just don't be surprised if Taylor misses some time this week in practice. And Zach Moss, he continues to produce too, right? Like each time I move him down the rankings and I assume that Taylor is going to reemerge as that clear top guy, lead back, top dog, all that stuff. Moss manages to get in the end zone, manages to put up a decent fantasy day, and he did it again here. So Moss remains a flex option for now and maybe even more if Taylor isn't 100% couple other backs that got dinged up. Travis Etienne, he left with an ankle injury. He returned to the game, though, continued to play great. So not super concerning, but fingers crossed that he comes out of that game and that he's fine and that there's no issue with him moving forward. Uh, A.J. Dillon on the Packers, he hurt his hip. He also came back into the game, but that could be one like an ankle injury where, you know, 24, 48 hours later, maybe it swells up. So we'll see if he misses any practice. Remember, the Packers did sign James Robinson a week or two ago, and there were rumors that Green Bay was looking to add a running back before the trade deadline, too. So maybe a trade could be in the works there, especially if Dylan is ailing. Four receivers, Kendrick Bourne, this is a big loss for New England, suffered a torn ACL, he's out for the season, just brutal, I mean, he was one of the only, if not the only, Patriots pass catcher who you could use in fantasy in a pinch, Devontae Parker, his teammate, he was checked for a concussion in this game, he might find himself in the protocol this week, Judas Mishuster, who's been banged up, he came back, but he's just a shell of his former self, the tight ends haven't done much in that offense, so really... We're looking to the rookie, Demario Pop Douglas, 13 targets over the last two weeks, five touches in both games. The stats aren't eye-popping because it's a lot of really short stuff, but he'll be my highest ranked Patriots receiver going forward, at least starting in week nine, and then we'll go from there. Somebody who I think you could use as a flex option in your lineup this week. Drake London on the Falcons. So he got looked at by trainers for a groin injury. Arthur Smith said today that they avoided anything serious and that they'll see what he can do this week. Hopefully he's not going to miss any time because there really isn't much in that Falcons receiving core behind him, right? Van Jefferson, Mac Hollins, Kaderil Hodge. Really, it would probably mean more for Kyle Pitts or Jonu Smith or Bijan Robinson if London missed any time. Those guys would probably just get a little more volume. And I don't think fantasy managers who have those guys would complain whatsoever, but we want to make sure we want to see London out there. It'd be nice if he did avoid anything serious and he doesn't miss any time. Who else do I have here? Uh, Deontay Johnson. So he limped off at one point, managed to come back into the game. Remember, short week for the Steelers. So if he did aggravate anything or if something swells up after the game, he might not be ready to go for Thursday. Just something to watch there. Curtis Samuel, he came into this one with a foot injury. I don't know specifically what the foot injury was, but I do know that he was ruled out during this game with a toe injury now. So we're gonna have to monitor that one. But Samuel not being at 100% and eventually leaving, that kind of opened the door for Jahan Dotson to finally do something. Eight for 108 and a touchdown. And if Samuel misses any time, it would certainly help Dotson's outlook. We also saw Jamison Crowder get involved and shockingly post seven for 95 and one. That's directly linked to Curtis Samuel not being out there. I wouldn't be chasing the Crowder stats. I'm not trying to say that, but just mentioning that he stands to benefit if Samuel is sidelined. Uh, Josh Palmer on the Chargers. So he didn't get in a full practice last week. 
He might have aggravated the knee injury in Sunday night's game too. He played through it, but could be a situation where he needs a game or two off just to get right. And Keenan Allen, absolutely, he is the man in the Chargers passing game. But Quinton Johnston, the rookie, uh, the tight ends, Gerald Everett, if he's healthy, and Donald Parham, I mean, they would be the ones who'd be asked to step up here if Palmer was out. For Johnston, he did have 50 yards in this game, right? He did something at least finally. So still a long way to go for the first round pick, but nice to see that. And he's a guy who's worth a stash. And if you're in super deep leagues and we're talking about this Chargers passing attack still, Jalen Guyton is nearing his return. So he could help out if Palmer can't go. Uh, Odell Beckham. So he had a stomach contusion, I believe they called it, but he returned to the game not really making a dent in the stat sheet. He drew some penalties though, and hopefully he can avoid like the frustration that's going to come with this, not really contributing to the offense in a meaningful way or in a way that he feels he should be. He walked off, he like smashed his helmet at one point in the game. Definitely mad that he's not having more of an impact in the Ravens offense, but hopefully Odell can, as he gets healthier and as he gets further removed from all these injuries, if he can get removed from all these injuries, because they kind of keep popping up along the way, but we'd like to see him out there and really contributing in the Baltimore attack. And then one tight end to mention, Darren Waller. This is kind of a big one, potentially. He was ruled out with a hamstring injury, and this is something that he's been dealing with already this year. I don't want to speculate, but certainly seems like he could miss some time now that he's aggravated that one. And if you look down the road, and it's kind of far down the road, but the Giants have a bye in week 13. I really hope that they're not going to put Waller on IR and bring him back after that week 13 bye, but we should learn more today. I haven't seen an update on it yet. We should learn more today about when he's going to be out and what could happen there. Daniel Bellinger is the backup tight end in New York, and he's just a bi-week replacement or tight end premium option for fantasy, but he's somebody that you could look to if Waller is going to be out for a significant stretch. Moving on to the top waiver wire pickups, and these are the most notable names, right? If you want more, if you're in a deeper league, you go check out that full waiver wire column that I do over on the score. I have every possible player that you could consider listed in there. And those always go up on Monday night, sometimes just before the Monday night game, sometimes during the Monday night game, depending how quick I can get it done. But we're just going to dive into the top names here today. And at quarterback, let's talk these through. I mean, Kyler Murray, 55% rostered. He's above that 50% cutoff that I use, but I wrote him up last week. Hopefully you grabbed him if you needed a long-term quarterback option and you stashed him then. Now it might be a little bit tougher to get him that he's closer to returning. I don't think that he's going to be an elite fantasy quarterback this year, but I think he could sneak into that low-end QB1 range. I just don't see him running as much coming off a serious knee injury, but you never know. Stranger things have certainly happened. You're just going to have to wait until week 10, though, to get him in your lineup because Jonathan Gannon already said that Josh Dobbs is going to start in week nine against the Browns, which is probably smart. We talked about that in the show last week. I don't know that you want to put Kyler out there against that Browns pass rush in his first game coming off the injury. If we go to the under 50% rostered guys, so Sam Howell just keeps finding a way to produce 45% rostered. The Patriots, it's not the best matchup in week nine, but Howell's been QB 13 or better in six of his eight outings this year. He's QB one overall right now for this week and just a Monday nighter left to go here. So it's a good chance that he could end up being the top scoring fantasy quarterback this week. And that's in a matchup with that Eagles defense. So Howell is a solid fantasy quarterback. Even if it isn't always the prettiest to watch, he's getting the job done out there for fantasy. A Titans rookie, Will Levis, he's the hot new name that we got to discuss. He blew away all expectations this week. He throws for 238 yards and four touchdowns. Also rushed seven times for just 11 yards, but it's a short week. He's playing on Thursday night. 
Steelers aren't the scariest matchup for them. It's going to be a different experience too, right? Going on the road to Pittsburgh for this one. And you can bet that they're going to try to get in his grill all night long. They're going to bring the pressure and try to make him uncomfortable. So I would keep your expectations in check. I wouldn't just overreact to that first game. I mean, remember, I'm pretty sure Marcus Mariota threw for four touchdowns in his first game as well and didn't really turn out great for him. But certainly a promising start for Levis and warrants a pickup if you need a quarterback, if you're looking for help there, since the Titans are probably likely going to ride with him, I would think, the rest of the way. It's not like Ryan Tannehill was playing at a high level before the injury, and we don't know how long Tannehill's going to be out still. We also don't know who's going to be on this roster, right? The trade deadline is coming on Tuesday. There's been lots of speculation. I would also think that with Levis leading them to the win on Sunday, maybe the fire sale is over. Maybe it's not going to happen, and Hopkins and Henry could potentially stick around. Maybe they think they can actually compete now if Levis is something, but Hopkins... He might not mind sticking around if Levis is the one throwing the ball after what happened on the weekend, right? The pair connected for three touchdowns this week. So Levis is a QB2 streamer in fantasy, a guy who could surprise us in the second half of the year if the Titans do keep rolling with him. A Derek Carr, he showed some signs of life this week, 300 yards, two touchdowns in that game against the Colts. Gets another fantasy-friendly matchup with the Bears this week, so he's a streamer. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's going to have to survive the Monday night game, and with Jimmy, you never know, right? He does get hurt quite a bit. He's going against the Lions tonight, but if he comes out of that one unscathed, he gets the Giants in Week 9, so Jimmy G's on the streamer radar. Gardner Minshew, he's another one of those guys where the process isn't pretty, but the results, they've been okay for fantasy, and I think that's in part due to the Colts' pace of play. They get a lot of plays in these games. They really play fast. So Minshew's a possibility versus the Panthers this week. Uh, Bryce Young's going to be on the other side of that game, and he gets that Colts defense, which has just been a great matchup this year for fantasy. It's going to really come together at some point here for Young. We're seeing it incrementally. I hope that we finally have a big blow-up game and a career day for him in this one. And then if you're desperate, if you're in a, a deeper league, two quarterback, super flex format kind of thing. You can look at all these injury situations and try to pluck somebody from there. So Taylor Heineke, who would get the Vikings if he does get the nod to start this week, a Mitch Trubisky on Thursday night against the Titans, a Brett Rippon. If Stafford can't go, then Brett Rippon's going to be the one to take on the Packers. I wouldn't recommend using those guys for fantasy, but in super flex formats, you might not have a better option. And then I think that's it for quarterback. We can jump on. I mean, I'll have it all broken down into the categories of guys who are risky streamers and desperation streamers and guys who are stashes and all that stuff. But we'll keep going to running backs. A few guys here around the 50% rostered mark, and they're guys that I've talked about before. They're guys that I'm not going to write up again here because they should be rostered everywhere. Uh, you look at guys like Chuba Hubbard and Tajay Spears, Cam Akers, Roshan Johnson, I would just make sure that they're not floating around on the waiver wire in your league. If we go below the 50% mark now, so these guys, some of them I've also discussed on the previous episodes and in past waiver wire columns, but I'll go through them again real quick. Daryl Henderson, 45% rostered. He's the lead back for the Rams right now, at least until Kyron Williams comes back. And his teammate, Royce Freeman, just 22% rostered. He has some value as a complimentary piece in that backfield. Freeman also got some goal line work this week, right? So both those guys could be used in your lineup. Zach Charbonnet, he saw an uptick in usage this week. And I would assume that that had to do with Kenneth Walker missing the first two days of practice in the week. So Walker likely wasn't 100% in this game, even though they took him off the injury report when the weekend came around. So makes you think that he was going to be fine going into the game, but didn't seem like that was the case. The bigger thing is that Charbonnet just keeps looking good when he gets these touches. 64 yards on seven touches in this game. 
if Walker ever misses time, Charbonnet is going to be a fantasy league winner. And if Walker stays healthy, Charbonnet still showing that he could have some flex value. Devin Singletary. So we talked about him last week. Wondered if the usage from the Texans game before their bye was going to be a sign of things to come, or was that just a blip on the radar? We were going to see Damian Pierce just emerge as the lead back again. Turns out it was somewhat of a sign of things to come, right? Total even split between these two this week, between Pierce and Singletary. Pierce played 25 snaps, Singletary 23. Their touches, their routes run, everything was really, really close. You also had Mike Boone playing a little bit in that one, but Singletary seems like he's earning a big role here. 12 touches in that game. It's enough to make him a flex in the fantasy world and a flex with some upside if he can eventually outwork Pierce and get that starting job, maybe start to get a 60-40 split or something like that going. Or if Pierce gets hurt, Singletary showing and at least that he can get the confidence of the coaching staff that they trust him a little bit. They're giving him a bigger role than he had earlier in the season. So he's somebody that you could stash or potentially play as a flex. Amari Demarcado on the Cardinals. The clock's ticking here for his fantasy relevance because James Conner is going to be eligible to come off IR in week 10. But Demarcado, another massive workload this week. He saw his snaps fall, but the workload was still there. 21 touches for 79 yards. The only problem The matchup with the Browns in this game, not great at all. Worried about that Cardinals offense in this one, but it wasn't great against the Ravens defense in week eight and Demarcado still put up an okay day. So as long as he's getting that kind of touch share, he's going to be a volume RB3 for fantasy. Lots of upside backup running backs who are out there in a bunch of leagues. I'll just encourage you to look at the column. I'm not going to go over them all here. I think it would take too long. See who makes sense for you to pick up there. But certainly now we're getting to that time of year when you could start to look at these backups, some of the deeper guys even, and start to load your bench up with them. Uh, I'll also give my thoughts on the Leonard Fournette signing, actually. I should probably say that now. Maybe I should have said that off the top of the show because that happened right before we started recording. A Fournette going to the Bills. We don't know for sure how much he has left in the tank. I will say that. He's 28 years old. Definitely seemed like he was declining last year on the Buccaneers, but he's better than Latavius Murray. So at worst, I think he'll start in the Damian Harris role and we'll see him splitting time with Murray and then James Cook still being the lead back. And eventually... I see this as Cook being the explosive option and Fournette being the reliable passing down back, the veteran presence, the guy who can give them more than they're getting from Latavius Murray right now. And that will hurt Cook's fantasy upside a little bit, makes him more of a low end RB2 for fantasy. And then Fournette comes in as a guy who can be an RB3 for fantasy and somebody who could carve out a bigger role in one of the best offenses in the league. So I'm adding Fournette where I have space. I'm not going out of my way, though, to get him. I'm not spending up big to get him. People are going to see this name and compare it to what the Bills have in their backfield right now, which really isn't a proven option. Cook has been good, but he hasn't been outstanding for fantasy. And people are going to remember some of the big seasons that Lenny had. And they're probably going to go out and spend more than they should to get him this week. So I'm not going to be the one doing that. I'm not going to go out of my way to spend big on him, but he's somebody that I would like to throw on my bench to see how this works out. But I'm still remembering that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about where he's at in his career and, you know, whether he's more on the Dalvin Cook side of things, let's say, which sadly I kind of expect that he is. But as part of a committee in Buffalo, I think he could be a fine addition to that Bill's backfield. Over to receivers, guys who are over the 50% rostered mark, but who I think should be considered as potential pickups this week. Tank Dell, 
Jahan Dotson. So Dell coming off the down game. I still have faith in that Texans passing attack though. And then Dotson, he's headed in the other direction, right? He had his best game of the year this week. So somebody that was probably dropped in a lot of leagues, you could go out and pick him up. For guys who are under the 50% rostered mark, so not a great list this week. A Rashid Shahid on the Saints, he's 36% rostered. I love the matchup for him in week nine going against the Bears. He's still just a bit of a gadget guy the way they use him, though. That's just how the Saints are electing to play him, right? It's a bit of a game plan specific thing, but Shahid, he's got the talent to be a good receiver. Like if they didn't have Michael Thomas, let's say, so if you look ahead to maybe next year, I think Shahid is somebody that could definitely emerge as a quality fantasy player, as a quality real-life receiver, but the way they're using him right now, it's just not as that. So it's going to be fairly boom or bust. I think the game this week that he had on this past weekend might have been a little bit of the result of Michael Thomas being sick entering the weekend. Regardless, Shahid is a flex option for fantasy. Uh, Brandon Cooks on the Cowboys. He found the end zone for the second straight game, not the producer that he used to be, but still somebody that could be flex worthy. So he shouldn't be sitting out there on the waiver wire. Khalil Shakir on the Bills. He was one of the biggest beneficiaries of Dawson Knox going on IR, right? Everyone was looking to Dalton Kincaid, who definitely had a great game of his own. But Shakir got more work. He's been bubbling up for a while, but the team started to lean more on these three wide sets. And that led to six catches for 92 yards. Just a great game from Shakir. Let's hope he can keep building on that. I would just list him as a stash for now, though. Somebody that you just want to get, throw him on your bench and see if he can do this again. Not somebody that I'm going to put directly into my lineup if I'm picking him up. I'll keep mentioning, too, all these rookies that I think could see their roles grow in the second half of the season and really start to become more consistent producers, guys who are on the fantasy radar a lot more often. So Jonathan Mingo. Quentin Johnston, Michael Wilson, Demario Douglas, Marvin Mims, Jalen Hyatt, stashing all those guys wherever I can in redraft. And then obviously you've already got them rostered in dynasty leagues. And the list of waiver wire receivers, it goes way, way longer here, but those are the names that I want to highlight. You can see the rest in the column. I'm going to jump to tight ends now and very, very good week for tight end pickups. So Jake Ferguson, he's over the 50% rostered mark by a little bit, but if he's out there, I'd be picking him up. After that, Trey McBride on the Cardinals. He should be your target. 20% rostered. I talked about him last week after Zach Ertz got placed on IR, but I said he was a stash just because he had a really tough matchup with the Ravens, but I could see that he was probably going to have some big games moving forward after that. Turns out you could have used him in that game. Just monster usage. 82% of the snaps, 14 targets, 10 catches, 95 yards, and a score. Hard not to see McBride as a tight end one in fantasy the rest of the way. There's just not many tight ends that have that kind of ceiling, and he just showed it. Yes, that could be his best game of the season, but it at least tells you what kind of realm he's in for fantasy production, and that's an area that puts him into the tight end one conversation. Same goes for Logan Thomas on the Commanders. He's 44% rostered, so might not be available in your league, but he keeps producing. And he's at a position where it's been hard for a lot of managers to find a quality starter. You know, some weeks it's very, very difficult, especially when they're buys. We got spoiled in week eight. There weren't as many buys. They're coming back in week nine, though. And Thomas is just a set it and forget it option. So he's somebody that you could pick up. Taysom Hill. I had my reservations about him this week. He just kept delivering, even with Juwan Johnson back in the lineup. And yes, it did reduce that weird receiving role that he had had the last couple of weeks, but then he just went back to the rushing this week and you could do worse than him as a boomer bust guy. He has such a high ceiling that once again, not a lot of tight ends have. 
Uh, Michael Mayer on the Raiders. He plays tonight in the Monday Nighter. We've discussed him before on the show as a potential fantasy starter. Might be more of a streamer because you have Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers out there hogging a lot of the volume, but Mayer has shown a ceiling too, so he's somebody that you could look to. Lots of great tight ends that I'd be targeting this week. There's no excuses to have a bad tight end in your lineup going into week nine. Look at all those guys that I just mentioned. All of them could put up top 10, top 12 results. And if you need to dig really, really deep, We mentioned Daniel Bellinger earlier on the Giants that Darren Waller, if he misses time with this hamstring aggravation, Bellinger would be the one that would start if he was out. He's a step below all those other names that I mentioned, but in deeper leagues, a guy that you could look to. Uh, Let's go to defenses to finish it off here. Defenses heading into week nine. Another one where we have a lot of options to choose from. So don't break the bank. You're going to be able to get one of them. And with all the backup quarterbacks about to start this week, we can attack those matchups. So the Packers are going to get Brett Rippon and the Rams. The Falcons, they're going to get whoever the Rams go with at quarterback. The Titans, they get Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers on that short week. Those are all good fantasy options. There's also the Chargers. They're taking on the Jets and Zach Wilson. You have... The Patriots versus the Commanders, and I know Sam Howell has been producing for fantasy, and he did have a pretty good game this week, but he's a guy that still gives up a lot of sacks most weeks, so I'd be willing to play the Patriots there if you can't get one of those other ones. Uh, The Texans, too, they're a sneaky good defense. Uh, They get a banged up Baker Mayfield on the Bucks this week. They're a team that you could look to. And then the Raiders, they're going to battle Daniel Jones coming back finally from the injury. Daniel Jones and the Giants they tend to give up a lot of points, whether it's Jones out there or Tyrod Taylor. Opposing defenses have done well against them in fantasy. So really just too many options to choose from here. There's no need to waste a lot of waiver money to get one of these. Just go pick up whatever streamer you can get for $0 this week and play them. But that's all for today's show. So make sure you check out that full week nine waiver wire column over on the score on Monday night. And like I said, off the top, probably won't be recording a Tuesday show this week, but I'll be back Wednesday with a guest. So until then, big thanks for downloading and subscribing to the show. Big thanks to all of you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time.